Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio, powered by our friends at Malka Sports, M-A-L-K-A Sports.com. Well, this is a guest that I truly have been chasing for 17 years since we started Sports Business Radio back in 2004. She was just starting to reach the height of her powers. Maria Sharapova, five-time Grand Slam tennis champion. She is the founder of premium candy company Sugar Pova. She's an entrepreneur and investor. But boy, she led the world for 11 consecutive years as the highest paid athlete on the planet. She made $39 million in career prize money. She earned nearly $300 million from sponsors and appearances. She's been on Shark Tank now. She's doing a great job transitioning from tennis career to business career. You're really going to enjoy this conversation. Griggs, I'm excited about this one. Yeah, I know you've been geeking for this a long time and me too. I mean, I followed her all through her career and it's just so fun to see where she's progressed and the things she's doing. And uh, yeah, very excited for this interview. Well, so tennis, business, fashion, architecture, and immigrating from Russia with her father at the age of six. And it really is a storybook ending for her. And it's not over yet because she's doing lots of great things still, but what a life she has built. Maria Sharapova is going to join me next right here on Sports Business Radio. Hi, it's Brian Berger here. In addition to hosting Sports Business Radio, I'm also the co-founder of the consulting firm Everything is on the Record. Since 2007, we've been working with CEOs, corporate spokespeople, pro sports team owners, athletic directors, elite athletes, and coaches to help them navigate the tricky media and social media landscape. My business partner is Rick Buecher of Fox Sports. As part of a new partnership with e-learning platform Open Sesame, we are now offering many of our teachings via on-demand courses available on video. Courses include presenting your best self in a video meeting. Your personal brand is connected to your employer's brand pause before you post, text, and email, and scrubbing your social media. To take any of our insightful video courses on demand, visit opensesame.com and type in the words, everything is on the record in the search. That's opensesame.com. To learn more about how we can provide a customized training session for your organization, 
Visit everythingisontherecord.com. That's everythingisontherecord.com. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Maria Sharapova, five-time Grand Slam tennis champion. She's won the career Grand Slam. She's an entrepreneur and investor. She's the founder of the premium candy company Sugar Pova. Follow her on social media at Maria Sharapova. Maria, I've been hosting this show for almost 18 years, and I've wanted to have you on that entire time, so I'm excited that you're joining me. How are you? I'm very well. Well, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. But that's okay. That's okay. It's good to have. I miss the pressure. So that's that's good to have it back. I just think it's, you have one of the most incredible portfolios I've ever seen. And I want to start with this. So you move from Russia to the United States when you're a young girl and you start playing tennis at an early age. And you're sitting in on these meetings as a teenager with Nike and Avion and Porsche. A lot of people would just send their agent to go sit in on those meetings and negotiate the deals. You were doing that on your own as a teen. How has that helped you as a business person today? Well, I also sent my agent and I sent my father and I sent myself. So I, <laughs> I made sure that I, <laughs> that I had someone that, that knew me. But, you know, my father was by my side and, and was able to make the right decisions because I was so young, but I was mostly curious about how this process works. I mean, I, I did, really didn't have a, a proper education. Um, I, you know, it's, many people would say I became street smart from, from the experience that I gained along this crazy journey of mine. And I, I wanted to be in those rooms and I wanted to be in those meetings because there was some, something inside of me that said that although tennis was a big part of my life and will be for the next however many years, it wasn't going to be my life in capital letters. Like there was, I always believed there was more to it. And I, and I had to become savvy and smart. And I'd have to, although you can have supporters and people that, you know, have your back at the end of the day, um, a big part of sport is business. And, and I, I'm not sure where that, that came from because my parents didn't really have a financial background, but I think they had a, a good enough head on their shoulders to guide me in the right direction, which was, um, I think a really, a really important beginning in anyone's life. More recently, I saw that you attended Harvard Business School. How was that, and what did you learn there? Intimidating, very intimidating. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, isn't it always intimidating to be the one that doesn't have all the answers, especially when you um, come from a career in a sport where you're part of a high elite, you're part of. Um, you know, the world's best. And so you, you think you know everything and then you go into a room and you're just, um, you're not as smart as everyone in that room. And it definitely took me a while to, um, you know, once you're comfortable raising a hand and asking a question, um, I, I think you, you settle in. And I, I left those few weeks um, in Boston and I, oh, I, I love that experience so much. I, I could go back tomorrow. That's fantastic. What do you look for in a business partner? You have been with Nike, Avion, Porsche for many years. You're an investor and advisor with companies like Tonal and Therabody and Public.com. When someone comes to you and they say, we want to work with you, what are you looking for in that partner? Many things, I'll be honest, um, but uh, but all of that starts with a, a human approach and the, the people, the person behind it. Um, I always think you, you know, I believe that you can have phenomenal ideas and innovations and breakthroughs, but your company, um, 
your invention will always go through ups and downs and and most of the time many downs particularly in the beginning and it's and it's about the people that propel it forward it's the ideas it's the the confidence the motivation you know it's a, it's a little bit of ego but it's smart ego to know that you you know you belong in the space but yet how do you keep your feet on the ground to propel forward so it's this interesting combination of having you know having enough time with with founders i love spending time with them before i get into any professional partnership because that's at the core is is people you know you're going to call when something's going you know i if something happens you're always going to call the the founder right the, the cmo the, the people behind it you, you don't you don't call the software so it's those decisions it's the brains that are behind it that that push it forward. And, and I love getting to know them and learning from them because they help me make better decisions in, in my future, whether it's with different companies or different people. You mentioned your agent and your dad earlier. Who makes up Team Maria? Who are your strategic advisors? They're still on it <laughs> many years later. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's really good. And it's very rare, um, particularly in in sport. Um, you know, when when you... When you get your first large paycheck and it and it most of the time comes into your parents' account because you're too young to have an <laughs> account, you know, you're always faced with this question, well, what what where does this money go? Obviously you reinvest it towards your career, but with the savings that you have, you know, how do you how do you distribute it? How where, where does it go? Well, what do I keep? What do I get my parents? It's just all these conversations that are um that are very unique in my life. And I yeah, I still have I still have a manager, I have a a few other um, employees that take care of a few bits and pieces. Um, but other than that, it just, I think I, from what I see compared to most, it is a very small group. Yeah. I think it is a small group and it's a rare thing. Like you said, to have relationships that last that long. Uh, I want to talk about some specific partnerships. So I'm based in Portland. I know the people at Nike very well. You signed there, I think as an 11 year old. Um, yes. So you've been with them for a long time. They've made you one of the most marketable athletes on the planet in addition to your other partners. But I got to ask you about a certain thing with Nike. So the I Feel Pretty commercial that was <laughs> filmed in New York. I mean, Maria, whenever I watch that commercial, I can't get that song out of my head for like two or three days. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very catchy song with or without the commercial. So, <laughs> Well, and what a lot of people may not realize all these years later is they did that big campaign for you around the U.S. Open. And then lo and behold, you go out and win the U.S. Open. It's, so you, you It may- is the, the perfect commercial <laughs> storm. Exactly. Because that, you know, that that type of um, alignment with shooting a, a, a big time production and one that took a couple of days to film. Um, there was a big financial commitment from Nike to then go into the U.S. Open. It launches during the U.S. Open and that is the first U.S. Open that I win. And it is the first commercial that comes on after that match point of the final um, was, was incredibly special. And that, that, <laughs> that does not happen very often. Tell me about the making of the commercial. So it's in New York City. It looks like maybe you were in the Waldorf Astoria is what was in the it commercial. Was the Waldorf, yes. Yeah, and you've got Very the McEnroe swanky. brothers and I it, didn't you know what's funny looking back at that, I didn't really I didn't really understand like the mega around it. I didn't you know, I, I was very grateful and I um after I won Wimbledon, I was I was 
still 17 years old. And I remember Nike flew me out to Portland and they built out this and they ducked out this entire room and they made it into the Maria land of all my favorite things, (laughs) like this closet that was all in pink with my favorite items and my favorite shoes. And there was this pair of shocks. And if you remember the shocks that I I loved and they customized a pair for me. And, and funny story, I still have some of it. They custom made these, um, like closet cabinets for me and I still have those till this day and I still use them and they're such a beautiful memory so that to me was like wow this is amazing now I love winning Wimbledon um shooting a commercial it's 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 more of a production right you're there are a lot of people there's a lot of hustle and as a young girl I I don't think I really understood the um I think the, the the value or the importance of being in a you know in a national commercial um, on U.S. television like it didn't quite quite hit me. I look back at that now and think of, of how special and obviously the timing made it even better. But I just didn't quite, and, and I think that's good that I didn't quite understand the the, the meaning of it and and the power of it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, and it you know, has millions of views on YouTube all these years later. So even though, you know, that commercial ran a long time ago, anyone can go online and, and view it today. And I just think it's such a clever commercial and catchy and <laughs> it looked like it was a lot of fun to film. Really, I think it did, a, you know, it, it was a very, um, I was very focused on the court and I think many people and fans knew me for that quality. And I, I, I almost had these horse blinders on. I didn't look left and right. I didn't look behind me. I just, I looked straight ahead. It was just me and my opponent. And I, I always believed in this philosophy. And I think it did a really good job of, I think, um, making me look like I was on a mission. And yet there's a side that like people couldn't quite break through to me, um, which I think was a very <laughs> accurate description of a younger Maria. Um, and then I hit the ball and I hit a winner. And then there's this moment that, ah, okay, this is what it's about. And I think that was, that was a very powerful um, part of this commercial. So I want to ask you about that. I know a lot of people at Nike and Nike works with a lot of world-class athletes. And the people I talk to at Nike, Maria, have said that Maria Sharapova is one of the most competitive athletes that I have ever been around. As a matter of fact, someone told me Maria hates losing more than she likes winning. <laughs> That's probably accurate. <laughs> Not probably. It is accurate. <laughs> so where do you get that fire from? Oh, I, I'm not sure if it's, you know, part of it is, is growing up and coming from a, a place where um, I grew up in Russia and there weren't that many options. Like I, I didn't grow up having, um, you know, a, a class in the afternoon, a dance, and then having gymnastics on another day. And then, um, you know, soccer another day. Like I was fully committed to one sport and I, I knew that there was a reason to it. Like I, I was working hard. I, I, I also saw my improvements weekly. And so that as a young girl, uh, noticing those little improvements and adjustments, I think made me excited about, Oh, well, what's next week? Like, what is my coach going to teach me? And, and am I going to, am I going to transition, you know, what, what he's showcasing, what he can do, will I be able to do it? So for some reason, and I and I, I don't think that comes in what was quite rare is was this focus that I could repeat and hit the ball many many times and not get bored because kids get bored. We all get bored. Right. <laughs> I I still get bored, but 
there's something about zoning in on that ball and perfecting it um, that gave me this competitiveness of doing it better every single time. Yeah, it showed. It's it's pretty amazing, uh, the talent and the competitiveness that you brought to the court. I want to talk to you a little bit about fashion. Again, you're such a diverse person, and I know you're into fashion. I saw your recent collaboration with designer Iris Van Herpen and her longtime brand partner, Avion, your longtime brand mm-hmm. partner, Avion, and you created this dress that was made out of Avion bottles, right? Yes, the dress was made, uh, the material of the dress was made out of 75% um, of recycled Evian bottles that would have otherwise gone to waste. Um, and we we worked on this project for about 12 months and it, it came came to life uh, this month in, um, in London at the British Fashion Awards. And it was a real testament to well, one innovation because it, it took two to three months to create this material to even see if it could execute and could sit um, as a little piece of material on my body. Um, once that was established, then you go into the design and the creativity, and then you know you add Iris, um, Iris's experience and her artwork. I mean, she's she's an, a, a true artist, and, and what she creates and the dresses that she makes are um, are. I mean, every one of the, each one of them deserves to be in a museum. They're they're so beautifully crafted, and yeah, and then obviously working on this transitional part of my life um, that's been more to health and wellness and and lifestyle and sustainability and material science and having a partner like Evian that's been a partner of mine for, wow, it's been eight years now um, to to see that transition from sport to lifestyle and and to work on this project is is so much fun personally for me. Where does your passion for fashion come from? It was my mother. and and not because she loved fashion, but because her aesthetic was very, was minimal in approach, but it was elegant. And there was, um, you know, there's this dance sensibility. She she was a dancer. She enjoyed dancing, not professionally, but for fun. And um, and coming from a very cultural background in Russia and, and her taking me to, to ballet all the time and, and to different um, dance performances, I was always, um, infatuated by how the body moves with clothes and and I think how you're able to showcase a piece of who you are and a piece of your personality through what you wear it's so individual so personal um and I I think that's where you know understanding I remember when I came to the United States and I I first went to a mall which (laughs) now they're dying but at the time they're (laughs) they were in and I remember loving going to Express because they're they're one of the only few brands that would make things for tall tall girls and tall right. teenagers. Yep. And that was the one thing I wanted for my birthday and for Christmas um, was a gift certificate to this store because I could like, find things to wear. And I always I appreciate it for some reason. I appreciated buying something and having it for a very long time. And and I guess that that means that my style is minimal in approach because what you like today has to, you know, has to sit with you for a long time for you to appreciate it in, in many years time. Um, but that's kind of how I, I've approached fashion from from different angles, even design and, and my house and and the way that I live. I'm quite minimal, and and even actually the investments in businesses that I invest in, I I think we're just flooded with choices and and options and. I love to to go through all of that to really understand 
um, how something will impact your life and where it sits in your life. Like, do you really need it? Well, how will it shape and craft your future? How will it help your body and your mind? And, and if it doesn't, then it doesn't deserve a place in my closet or even in the cupboard or under the bed or anywhere. Um, because it, it might, I might use it once, but I'll never use it again. So I have a very similar approach and yeah, holistically. So you've got an interest in architecture too, and you've had that since you were young. You work with Rove Concepts now, and you're designing furniture. And, you know, I've seen pictures in these photo shoots of your house. Your house looks amazing, but you're really into architecture. And I've read that, you know, when you've traveled around the world, you're looking for certain types of architecture. Where does that passion come from? I think it was a it was a hobby that started from a young age. There are two things that I... I enjoyed doing while traveling one was collecting stamps and and i no longer do that although i still have my stamp collection that's awesome that's great <laughs> i remember many years ago we'd received these like fan mail letters from from fans that also collected stamps and like they would get all <laughs> geeky about this, their stamp collection i was like i don't know if i'm that far into this process i just <laughs> i found a way I, I love traveling around the world and it was this piece of souvenir that i would kind of bring back like I, I would find a post office and 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 find the local stamps in this country and then bring it back home and it made me feel like I took something from this travel and and brought it back to to my house and then um, architecture was actually it was it started with my love for Frank Gehry who's um, an incredible incredible architect who till this day is um, creating some of the most forward thinking and, and interesting um, buildings and homes that you'll find in the world. And and my goal as a young girl was to find a Frank Gehry design building because they were so distinct and hmm. very obvious and, and look and feel that I, um, every time, you know, when I'd go to Prague, when I'd go to, you know, anywhere in Australia, it was like my mission um, to find a Frank Gehry building and and photograph it for my mom. <laughs> That's great. What a fun thing for you guys to just kind of have in common and share. And um, going back to fashion, you've come a long way from Express. Now you don't have to go to the mall. You can probably call up any fashion designer in the world and say, <laughs> hey, I need a dress. And they'll be like, hey, Maria, great. We'd love to make one for you. It's not as easy as it sounds, <laughs> but I, 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 I have a bit more access. <laughs> a bit more, I'm the sure. Fashion world, the fashion world is... is um, it's an interesting one. It's definitely, there are a lot of middle fashion. It's not just about the designer. It's about all the people that work there and all the middle people. And it is really about having relationships and, and, and creating them and working on them. And yeah, it's not, it's, it's, it's not as simple as, as, as finding a 1-800 number I, online and I'm calling sure. up and being like, I just, I want, I want a free dress. (laughs) I get, I get it. Well, especially like you said, after, you know, being a teenager and having a more difficult time finding clothes that fit to be able to have better access to that, I'm sure is great. I want to ask you about Shark Tank. Mark Cuban has been on with me on this show and you were a guest shark, a guest investor on Shark Tank. What was that experience like for you? So much fun. I, I had... I was there for 12 hours. We filmed for about nine of those hours and I could have kept going. I could have done 24, 30. I I mean, I could have done 48 hours in a row. I I had so much fun seeing, you know, what struck me is how, um, is how real it felt. It it really, 
when you watch it on TV, you know, there's always an element of TV that, that is staged. Um, well, not just, not just an occasional element. A lot of the time TV is staged, but in this instant, I, I was so, um, pleasantly surprised how, how real it felt, how, how natural, um, it was for, for these and how brave, um, of these founders to come up on stage and to present their business and their babies to us. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and at the same time, get grilled from all the sharks you know, because they're also tough. This is a job for them. They're on set for, for many days out of the year. They treat this as, as part of their job and as part of their financial investment. It's their own money. And so they deserve, you know, to be asking the, the tough questions. Um, and I love seeing that side of the sharks as well. Like I love seeing the humility and, and the honesty vulnerabilities of the founders and presenters. But I also enjoyed seeing how the judges themselves handled, you know, asking the questions, um, you know, being how they, they spoke about their own experiences, how they made, you know, when someone didn't feel comfortable presenting, how they made them feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. I think these are all the lessons that I, as, you know, someone that's fairly new to, to this new world of entertainment, um, I actually get to learn. Like I, I love, I love, although I am part of the, the judge panel, I'm also by watching um, these judges perform as they're doing and invest, um, I'm able to see how they're they're hand, you know handling the situation, presenting themselves, and presenting uh, who they are and what they invest in. As I mentioned earlier, you are an investor, a strategic advisor with companies like Tonal, Therabody, and Public.com. But Maria, you're also a founder of Sugar Pova. What's it like being the founder of a company? A lot more responsibility, mm -hmm. um, which is one of the main reasons I I wanted to start my own company. Um, you know, giving people a little piece of of indulgence and and the allowing people a piece of indulgence because although I I completely understood what it was to be tough on myself and diligent on on my you know, on my health and my body and making sure that I was always ready to perform at the highest level. I also, there's the side of me that loved indulging and that, that <laughs> loved splurging and allowing myself to, you know, enjoy sweet treats and enjoy time with my friends. And there's a, a really, I felt like it was a healthy balance in, in, in my life of being very disciplined, but also giving myself this freedom um, to be, yeah, to be, um, to be a little bit more expressive and to be human. Um, and, you know, the other part of, of building a brand is is the branding, which I really enjoy doing. I, I loved the creative process. I, I loved working on the name and the logo and and how something is presented to the world. Um, you know, and and candy is so it's youthful and fun and and it's colorful and it's energetic and yeah, it, it's it's been a learning, um, a huge learning experience, but one that I've so many lessons that that I've extracted and, and applied to to many of the other investments that I made. So that brings me to when you're a strategic advisor and an investor, again, with a company like Tonal or Therabody, how do you know kind of like when to jump in and advise them or when to, well, it's not my company. I'm not the founder. I'll take my foot off the gas a little bit here. Yeah, great question. And I think it's really understanding your strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, I remember 
I remember having my initial one of my initial calls with Ali at Tono, founder of Tono, and I remember telling him like I want to learn from you as much as I want to contribute to this. So if there are, I really like threw myself into it. I said, look, I know what my, I know what my limitations are. I'm not going to go into your R and D, but you send me the unit and I will spend four weeks with it. And I will tell you every little single thing. Like I will do an entire analysis on each program um, of how, you know, each pool came out and how the weight was personalized for me. And just my entire experience on on this platform, um, and I will spend a lot of time. I'll commit myself, and so I, I think I'm pretty, pretty honest with my approach, and and I really understand what I I can contribute in. And so as long as you lay it out at the beginning, um, so there's no false expectations, then I think it, it's pretty clear. One of the things that you do an amazing job with, and not all athletes do this, is. You're really great on social media when it comes to supporting your partners. You know, I love getting a little bit of a glimpse of the passion for architecture and fashion that we discussed earlier in this conversation. What's your strategy when it comes to social media? Are you one of those that wakes up every morning and goes, eh, I think I'll post something today. You're more spontaneous or is it more strategic and planned out? I'm definitely more spontaneous in my approach. Um, you know, there's certain there's certain commitments and certain events that that go on during the year. There's certain launches by my brand partners that are important to them um, that I that I support and that I enjoy supporting. But you know, it's a very you know, social media is, is very tricky for many reasons, and and I and the reason why I treat it spontaneously is because I think people are very aware of when something is forced and mm. and not very natural to to who you are. Um, I think that's so, because there's so many examples of it, unfortunately, on social media right now, it's very easy to, to go through something and really know if it, that's genuine or not. And so I try, I mean, there are definitely, you know, if there's a product launch for, for a company and, and they need support, I always say like, I mean, obviously, of course, this is a company that I've been with for so many years that have financially supported you know, me for so many years that have brought so many opportunities to my life, I am a hundred percent going to support it, but I will do it on my terms, meaning that I will send me the product, let me live with it, let me see how I use it in my life, and then create create content around that. And and sometimes it's it looks like it's well produced content and sometimes it looks unproduced. And and usually the <laughs> the pieces that are unproduced do the best um, right. in terms of performance because that's that's the real life because real life is is not filtered yeah now i think you do a great job so we'll end with this in 1994 i think it was your father immigrated from russia with 700 dollars in his pocket maria what a life you've lived so far and did you ever dream that this could be your life when you were younger and you know, having dreams of tennis and maybe being a business person in fashion. Did you ever allow yourself to dream that this is what it could be? I remember when I used to shop at TJ Maxx um, with my parents and I used to walk through the aisles and I used to think, wouldn't it be amazing if I could walk through the store and I can just have everything. I wouldn't, I don't have to choose. Like I don't have to choose if today I get, you know, something in black and tomorrow, you know, maybe in a month I get it in Navy. Like I can, it was just this strange thought in my mind. Mm. And I just look back at like that night, that naive thought as a young girl thinking, 
it wasn't like I thought about money in that way. I just thought like, I thought about accessibility. I was like, imagine I can walk in here and I can just get this without really having a second thought and I could give it to my mom as a gift. And looking back at that now, I'm, I'm incredibly proud that I've been able to provide for myself and obviously provide for my family and back home in Russia. And it makes me like, that's a sense of, um, it is an accomplishment, but it's a sense of safety, right? It's a sense of like, I, I've, I've been able, I know that I can take care of their health and I can make them happy and, and that they're, they're going to be okay. Um, but there's also, I'm, I'm 34 years old and there's, there's an entire new life ahead of me. So I'm also, maybe that's the, the competitive um, side of me that always looks to the future and always wants to, um, always wants to do better and always wants to learn and, and be curious and, and, you know, who knows what the next chapter will, will look like and, and how it will be set in stone. But I'm, I'm just as excited about it. Maria Sharapova, five-time Grand Slam tennis champion, founder of the company Sugar Pova, entrepreneur, investor. Follow her on social media at Maria Sharapova. Maria, like I said, I've been looking forward to this for 17 years. It was worth the wait. Thank you so much for joining I me on really Sports I really enjoyed Business. this. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.